Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi. Thanks for joining us on the OIS Podcast. The supercordial space, is it the final frontier of ophthalmology? No, it's not. But it's an exciting area, and it's an area that uh, our guest today, Clearside Biomedical, is focusing on. We spoke with Dan White. He's the CEO and president of Clearside. And uh, Clearside's developing a micro-injector technology that can deliver drugs to the supracordial space, which is the space lying between the sclera and the choroid. And it's, it, Clearside is, is offering that administration of drugs to this space. Can really You can access the posterior segment of ocular tissue back there. And you can limit exposure and reduce side effects for the entire eye and for uh, the anterior segment as well. So it's an interesting approach uh, to uh, improving the uh, effectiveness of uh, ophthalmic drugs. And Clareside has a few interesting uh, uh, clinical trials going on. So to fund this, they went, uh, they went public. They went public last year in June. Uh, the IPO uh, happened. It went out, the company went out at $7, a little lower than it had initially wanted to. But it did go public, and the stock price is holding. So uh, ClearSide now has the funding needed to go forward uh, with its development program. So we spoke to Dan about the microinjector, about uh, its approaches in the eye, and, of course, about the IPO. We uh, talked a bit about how ophthalmology is being viewed by public investors. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dan White, President and CEO of ClearSide Biomedical. All right, Daniel White, welcome to the podcast. Great, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's great to report uh, for, have a report from a, a company that's gone public. It's uh, it's been a, a tough market not only for ophthalmology but for for companies in every space and in life sciences in particular. Uh, let's uh, let's just start there because that's sort of the recent news, and then we can weave into into Clearside's story. But uh, when did you decide that uh, an IPO was uh, was the route you take? Uh, so the company is has done a series of private financings, and we were at a at a stage in valuation where uh, the the IPO made a logical next step. We started the process when the markets were a little bit more robust, but um, the, there was a fair fair downturn late last year. Um, a lot of the ophthalmology companies were taking it on the chin. Um, so it took a little bit more time than we anticipated, but we are happy to uh, have concluded a deal and, and that we have money in the bank to execute our business plan. Mm-hmm. When did you initially file? File to go public. Is yeah. that what you're asking? Or yeah, when did you initially yeah, so, file to go public? You said it took a little longer than, than you'd anticipated. Yeah, so we, we were testing the waters for about a year. Um, most companies tend to do that. It gave us an opportunity to... Um, familiarize ourselves with the accounts that are out there and to let them know a little bit about our story, a little bit about our plan, let them watch our execution. And once we um, have been, uh, once they realize, I think our execution has been, um, has been pretty good. Then they decided to, uh, they moved it to a more public uh, opportunity. Once we have the best, um, you know, testing the waters feedback from the, um, we, we flipped to go public in May of this year. Oh, January of this year. Yeah, sorry about that. We flipped to go public in January, 
and we refiled in in May of this year. Okay. Oh, terrific. So, uh, and you went out at uh, at seven, and your stock's holding about that price. So, I guess the the market is what the market is. Uh, do you, do you feel ophthalmology is perceived any way differently from public investors, either in a, in a positive way or in a negative way? Is there is there excitement about it? Is there concern? How, how would you uh, how do you think the sector is being perceived? I think there is a period of time in which ophthalmology companies could do no wrong. Um, that was maybe a year and a half ago. That has not been the case when we were talking to accounts. I think when we were looking at um, when we were looking at uh, uh, comparables that many of these uh, um, ophthalmology companies that had gone public had taken pretty big hits, uh, broader than the public biotech sector. And that made it a little bit more of an uphill climb. But um, I'm not disappointed with the stock price that we got that we had a, because of the accounts that we brought into the company um, were, were uh, top-notch, and, and uh, we chose to have... Um, you know, good long accounts that will support the company in the future. Sure. And, and and it's always better, I suppose, to, to, to get out there in the public markets. It does give you access to so many more financing, op- financing options. Um, yes, that's that's true. We do see it really just another financing opportunity for us. Yeah, I mean, there's, sure. Um, and it's not the last one that I think we'll ever do uh, with the company. I'm sure we'll have to re- revisit the markets for the you know, drug development just is expensive, particularly retina development. Yeah, it's an area we, we're obviously focusing on. We've got our uh, OIS at ASRS uh, conference coming up, so uh, it's a it's a small space, but it's it's an exciting space. With uh, you're right, with a lot of uh, a lot of important projects, you've got a, a, a really robust uh, pipeline. Uh, we'll get into that in a second, but first, just just kind of bring our listeners up to speed on on ClearSide sort of core technology. What is uh, what is your secret your secret sauce, so to speak? Well, thanks for asking. I think that. The, um, the company was founded through uh, innovations that were occurring both at Georgia Tech and Emory, looking at using microneedles to inject drug into the eye, um, specifically into a space called a supercorridor space. And this space is uh, a space, it's a, it's a virtual space, it's just between the choroid and the sclera, and for the first time, that I can recall that we were able to directly inject drug in an in-office setting to the choroid, which is really an area that is of great interest of, uh, you know, of many of these diseases like um, wet AMD and, and uveitis. And we wanted to test this approach in um, both inflammatory diseases as well as retinal vascular diseases, and that's where we focused the company in the, in the initial part of the, the business. So through our intellectual property that we've developed over the past five years, we've been able to gain what we believe is exclusive proprietary access to 17 square centimeters in the human eye, which allows a drug to be injected into or directly to the choroid rather than through the vitreous or, or even more challenging eye drops, you know, where they rarely get to the right, uh, to, to, the, to the retina and consistency. So we believe the ideal way of delivering drugs, and particularly small molecules, to the choroid and retina. And it's it's the micro injector. I mean, what are we, is it literally just a, a, a small needle of some sort, or or what is the uh, what is the technology sort of look like? Can you give me a description? Sure. So the micro injector is more than just a small needle. So you do it does require a small needle, uh, but it's uh, also 
uh, has certain attributes that allow very consistent injection into the supercortical space uh, and a procedure that it's associated with. We work with some of the top physicians in retina uh, development in helping us to build a, a very consistent, robust, uh, low-cost technology to reach that space in a setting that's very similar to what they would currently do an intravitreal injection. Hmm. And uh, you've you've gone beyond. This could have been just sort of a, a platform story where you're delivering drugs for others, um, but you do have your your own pipeline. Tell us a, a bit about the products uh, the products you have in clinical trials. I know you've got uh, one you've initiated a phase three with, but uh, maybe you can uh, walk us through your pipeline. Sure, come up through some 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 elements of it. Um, we we have two two well defined businesses within the company. We we focus on our own portfolio that will um, with intention sell you know plan on building a commercial infrastructure to sell the products um, uh, to retina specialists uh, directly. And then we'll um, we also have a business in which we enter into certain collaborations. The pipeline that's currently active was started with taking trimcinolone, a well-known, well-characterized, long-acting steroid that we know has great utility. And we believe that, we don't believe it, we've tested that when we inject the trimcinolone into the supercortical space, you completely change the pharmacokinetics of that particular drug. In fact, we see that with every drug we've tested, we've changed the pharmacokinetics within the eye by just putting it into a, a, a novel space. By doing this, we can reach the retina in very high bioavailability, and we reduce the amount of drug moving to the anterior segment because it's retained in the space rather than drifting around the vitreous and eventually to other areas of the eye. Um, and what we found is that that leads to faster onset of action, that leads to durability, and it leads to lower side effects uh, that we see in the clinic. Um, based upon just the route of administration. Hey, everyone, Tom here. I just want to take a quick break from this conversation with Dan White to remind you to join us at OIS at ASRS. It's happening on August 8th in San Francisco. Go to OIS.net for the details. And while you're there, check out our double play rate uh, if you are coming to the OIS at ASRS show. And, of course, you'll be attending OIS at AAO in Chicago then you should uh, check out the double play rate. You can sign up for both conferences and uh, save a little bit of money in doing so. So go to OIS.net, check out the double play rate. The uh, rate that we have going on right now expires this week on July 28th. So uh, don't wait any longer. Now back to this conversation with Dan White of ClearSide. So your your, your most advanced product is uh, is CLS, CLS uh, 1001 uh, for... Uh, macular edema associated with uh, non-infectious uveitis? The, the brand name is Zuprata, and what we're developing it, we're currently enrolling a phase three clinical trial in 50 sites, uh, three countries to look at specifically macular edema associated with uveitis, which is a, a concern that occurs in about 30% of uveitis patients. And this, um, what we've seen in this treatment is that we've get a very rapid onset of action the brand name being Zuprata, we've also tested in uh, retinal vein occlusion or retinal vascular disease. We've done a phase two in retinal vein occlusion, and we've seen some very profound synergistic 
improvement and best corrected visual acuity with fewer treatments in the patients we treated in the retinal band occlusion trial. We have a third program that we're hopefully uh, going to file an IND by the end of the year, which looks at, again, another small molecule, a multi-conics inhibitor that has very potent anti-VEGF and anti-PDGF activity. And we like this molecule because we're delivering it directly to the choroid, which is ideal for a PDGF uh, uh, compound uh, and anti-VEGF compound for treating choroidal neovascularization. But what we've really been excited about is the durability of this particular drug in the uh, in the supercoral space on the choroid could be something that could last uh, longer than uh, uh, three to five month half life, which has the ability for us to do an injection once a year or even uh, once every uh, once or twice a year. Well, that'd be great. Obviously, reducing the number of injections. What are the origins uh, of these compound of these compounds, in, in including Zuprata? Yeah, all of these compounds are, are well-known compounds that are either off-patent or will be off-patent um, that have been used in other treat, other conditions um, for uh, for either uh, retinal treatment, which we've known about uh, trimcinolone for a long time in, in retina, retina disease, but also in particular certain cancers and certain other areas that we we have interest in. We consider that as kind of what low-hanging fruit we, we address our pipeline with known drugs that have some characterization within the human body and try to reduce the, the efficacy risk that we see in many of the new compounds that are out there. Um, we typically collaborate. We're in a number of collaborations with different companies um, that we look at novel new chemical entities that they they have in development, and we believe we can make their compounds even better than what's in development or what's on the market today. How low is that fruit hanging? In, in other words, you, these, are, these are approved products, the ones you're working with that have been approved. Is the, the, the means with which you uh, um, deliver it, does it really change the, the, the performance of the drug that much that it requires uh, uh, a rigorous clinical trials, or are you able to get by with... Uh, perhaps some, some clinical trials light uh, because these are known entities? We typically look for compounds where we could take a 505B2 type path to the market in the early phases. I think it's important as in the company's future to be able to be in a position to um, reach the marketplace in a timely manner and to be able to sell the products ourselves in a way that will be... Um, uh, we can re- begin generating our own income as a company. And I think once we get beyond that, I think we'll look more deeply into new mechanisms of action for the company itself. So how does the, the 505B2 regulatory pathway work? What is it, What are the requirements of that, and how is it a benefit for ClearSide? Well, it, it, well, the most important benefit is it doesn't require, we're able to reference the systemic or other toxicology and efficacy work that's been previously done. But it's not a generic. It's a uh, it's a branded um, development program that requires clinical studies, where we we still have to show both uh, safe and effective treatment. And uh, how uh, how broad is the potential application for your micro injector technology? Can you what what other diseases do you have um, that you may be targeting in the future that you sort of have in your sights? Right. So we see. 
we see this kind of cut but in, in two different ways. So not only are there, there the, the, I call them the big four diseases, um, wet AMD, DME, retinal vein occlusion, and then smaller cousin is uveitis. Um, these are diseases that still have quite a bit of market need requirement, but also um, any other uh, retinal vascular disease or inflammatory disease that's occurring in the eye we would have potential access to. We're also looking at the suprachoroidal space as a potential glaucoma uh, treatment reservoir. Um, it's commonly thought of as a uveal scleral outflow path, and we see it as an opportunity to look at certain glaucoma drugs. Um, but we've cut across the number of different molecule types. So we were able to inject freely any um, uh, small molecule. Uh, we've de um, delivered biologics. We've delivered gene therapy. We've delivered large, uh, large molecules. So we feel like the, um, uh, the technology provides a very robust opportunity for uh, utilization across a number of different compound types and a number of different diseases. Terrific. Man, anything else that we should be uh, watching out for? I know you're a publicly traded company, so you have to be careful of what you can say. But what else uh, is ClearSide sort of uh, developing that you can talk about that we'll be uh, hearing about in the future? Right. I think one of the things, I think maybe philosophically, we're a little different maybe, I guess. I haven't heard it put quite this way. But, but, but our, our real goal is how do we get to those vision goals faster? And so we're not a drug... We're not a sustained release technology. We can't be thought of it that way because we do have a very rapid onset of action when we're trying to reach those vision goals and the treatment of our patients faster. But also, we're because of certain uh, characteristics of the molecules that we use, we're able to retain that benefit for a longer period of time, and that leads to less frequent injections. And we've seen that both in uveitis and retinal vein occlusion. And still, we were able to maintain a, a safe, um, uh, so what we consider a safer approach of delivering um, anti-inflammatory drugs like steroids to the eye, as well as uh, multi-cognitive inhibitors. That's terrific. And, and just finally, how uh, how receptive has the the retina specialty been uh, to your your uh, your potential products? I mean, there are there's a great deal of need out there. Are you, uh, do you getting a lot of uh, cooperation from? Uh, from uh, ophthalmologists in this space? Um, yes. I, the retina specialty community has been fantastic. I mean, they not only see the need for trying to reach the choroid in a location of treatment, it's also a novel approach to a number of concerns they have. And they see this as answering a fair amount of uh, different treatment questions and add to their, you know, the treatment options that they have available to them uh, that can be um, utilized for their patients. So we felt like, and we collaborate with a number of the top retina specialists in uh, not only the U.S., but the worldwide, and we've had no, nothing less than enthusiasm for participating in our clinical programs, but also participating in, in helping us uh, think through different problems that we've, we've come up against. Terrific. Well, it's a great story, and again, glad to have some success to report uh on the IPO front. So uh, hopefully we'll uh, see things heat up in, in the fall if, uh, if the election doesn't, uh, doesn't mess things up too much. But uh, thanks for taking some time to today to uh, introduce us to ClearSide. All right. Thank you a lot. 
All right. Well, thanks, Dan White, for sharing ClareSide's story. Congratulations again on the IPO, and we look forward to following ClareSide's story going forward. To our listeners, thanks again for joining us. If you have interest in the retina space, then I hope we will see you at OIS at ASRS. And as I mentioned in the break, if you're going to OIS at ASRS and OIS at AAO, which is going to be terrific this year in Chicago, go to OIS.net and check out our double play offer. You'll save a little bit of money by signing up for both conferences at once. Like to ask a, short, a small favor for the sake of the podcast. If you're on iTunes, uh, take three seconds and uh, give us a ranking. Let us know how we're doing. If you have 20 seconds, maybe 25, uh, jot down some comments. Uh, we'd love to hear how the podcast is serving you and uh, what we might maybe do to, to uh, improve. Or if you want to just reach out to me directly, you can uh, email me at tom at healthogy.com. Healthogy is spelled like the word health, followed by the letters egy.com. Healthogy is the producer of this podcast and of the OIS conferences. We'd love to, uh, I'd love to hear your feedback. That'll go directly to me uh, on the podcast. Uh, we'd love to know if you have some topics that you think need to be discussed or some people that need to be interviewed. So thank you again for joining us on the podcast. Go to OIS.net for information about OIS at ASRS. And we will see you on August 8th in San Francisco.